Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of In Star Trek We Trust, a Star Trek podcast. My name is Kevin, one of your hosts. My name is Ethan, another of your hosts. And this week, we will be reviewing, slash discussing, slash analyzing all those who wander the ninth episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. It is directed by Christopher J. Earn, who interestingly has done Discovery, Jupiter's Legacy. This um, I read some of the comics. It's this superhero mm-hmm. show that I never actually saw and seemed to not make much of a splash. Twelve Monkeys and American God. So a lot of genre work. And I oh, think it shows. Cool. I'm going to talk about the direction at a point. And written by <clears throat> Davy Perez. Uh, supernatural... David Perez. American crime. David Perez. Did he write? Is this his first Strange New Worlds? That name is familiar. Memento Mori. Oh, excellent! That was the. Uh, I believe that was the Gorn episode. Um, oh, so he's the Gorn expert. I believe that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. So that's uh, that's what we're working with here. Very cool. So, to use one of my favorite words, this is the penultimate episode of the season. And it features. Oh, I did find out recently that there are words for every other numerical distance from the last. Yeah, they're terrible. Penultimate. I used to. I think I mentioned this before. I used to have a, you know, I had a, a huge like sticker of that on my on the back of my bedroom door. It was like it was just like I went to the store one time and they just had these stickers you could buy of just big words, and it was penultimate. And I was like, and I bought it at the time, not even knowing what it meant. I was like, you know, sixteen or something. <laughs> like that. I'm like, I don't know what penultimate means, but it sounds awesome. Um. Yeah, yeah. The, I always I love uh, that word. That's a fun word to say. Yeah. So you get anti anti penultimate is the third from the end. That's too many syllables. Um, but well, then there's there's like fourth from the end, fifth from the end. It goes all the way down. That's so weird because wouldn't anything before the anti penultimate would be anti penultimate? Wouldn't anything that's not penultimate would be anti penultimate? Not anti. It's anti. Oh, I think you said. Oh, you said anti. I thought everything yeah. would be anti penultimate if it's not the penultimate. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. So this was a this episode, of course, features the return of the Gorn, and obviously, the biggest thing about this episode is that it's. I don't know if I want to say it's a ripoff or an homage. I can't really. I, I can never really differentiate between the two. Of Alien, it had Alien vibes to it. I think so. I, think it had alien I mean, you even had chestbursters. I mean, well, it was more yes. of like a yeah. That was maybe the biggest one. Right. Because we've seen episodes. Dark ship. Right. With aliens that you kind of appear and disappear. Yeah. I mean, but I think. But what it. What I. The first thing I thought of when I watched this one, though, is that it actually reminded me of the third episode of Discovery. Context is for Kings. When they go aboard the U.S. It's it's Michael Burnham's first um, episode where she's actually on the Discovery and gets to meet the crew. And they go on that away mission to Discovery's sister ship, the USS Glenn. The other ship that had the spore drive as well. And they find out what went wrong. But the tardigrade, <clears throat> there was the tardigrade on that ship. They find the crew, everybody's sort of like attacked. There's blood everywhere. They're deformed. What happened? That's where they find the tardigrade on board. So even though, but even though the entire episode was not about that, mm-hmm. most of it was. It sort of, it actually reminded me of that. Cause, and I think also because it was the same type of ship, 
they were using the same interiors and stuff like that. So this kind of, I would say even like budgetary or production wise, this had that, this had a similar vibe to it. See that. Yeah. So this was an episode that, um, jam packed with things to discuss. I feel so. I don't know where you want to start here. Well, the, the basic premise of the episode is that there's a, another Starfleet vessel that has crashed, that is downed on a planet that they have to go try to salvage. And in doing so, they find out, going aboard, they find out um, something is really wrong here. And then we find out that the Gorn have pretty much you know moved in on the ship. And now it's pretty much a fight for survival before they can actually rescue the ship. So it's Pike leading an away team, which I have to bring this up, actually. What do you think of the show? This is kind of a broad observation and broad question. So like the original series, Pike is leading away missions a lot. Mm -hmm. Unlike, you know, Next Generation or like later shows following Next Generation where that isn't the case as much. Mm-hmm. What are your, th- do you like that? I mean, do you feel like, do you well, like that? The they, do you, have you noticed that? Is that something you paid it? Yeah, no- I do. Yeah. I have most about it. So here's why oh, interesting. I like it. Yeah. Well, you notice that he has to kind of explain himself to number one first. Right. And secondly, I truly believe <laughs> that this is him knowing his future. Yeah. I really do think it's a little bit of added kind of what would seem reckless, but he kind of knows when he's going to die, so I think he's more like, hey, what the hell, I'll go. I know I'm not dying here. Right. So you think that maybe because of what he knows in the future, this is making him kind of more of a... Um, I think so. I don't want to say action. Maybe just maybe just broadly, like, better captain, more willing to just kind of get into it with everybody? Well, yeah, I don't know about better. Maybe it's not always the better choice, but... yeah. I he wants to that. do it. That's what I kind of think because it seems like every time he does it, it's not as it's not taken as just a normal course of action. He doesn't. In other words, he doesn't really think twice about it, as he, maybe he would if he didn't know his face. Yes, yeah, so he yeah. usually gets some kind of pushback or questioning, right? As if it's not something that he was doing before he knew. Right. I do like that, but like I do. There's that added element to it where, like, even though he's going. I like that you. I like the observation you make that he explains himself to number one because number one thinks it's not really proper. Yeah, I mean that was the case a few weeks ago when she pointed out that he was going and he, on an away mission. He was like, "Who? Me? The Boy Scout?" So yeah, I like that. There's always like, I like that they don't just flat out not acknowledge it. I like that they actually take the time to make that a thing. And it's not like they would just do it once and that's it. They do it like every single time. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Right. And but it also puts into mind on the first episode of Next Generation when and it's even said on the show later on that the reason why Picard chose Riker as his first officer is that he wanted somebody who would sort of question him, maybe even tell him, sir, you shouldn't be going on away missions and stuff like that. So I like that they're sort of keeping it in that spirit. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not like he's. Barking at her, you know. Right. How dare you question me? I'm your captain. Of course, well, that's not personality at all. And, beca- and and the other thing too is nobody does that to Kirk, and it's not because they don't. It's not because it's an ingenious explanation for that. It's because they wanted William Shatner to be the action hero. Right, but also right. maybe now it'll be that if we really do have the whole crew here, maybe they're just used to it from Pike. Yeah. 
So when Kirk shows up and starts doing it, like, oh, well, I guess this is what captains do. <laughs> yeah. We've been dealing with it for a couple so years. So maybe it just ends up, maybe like Pike and Kirk are just kind of the outliers, right? That... Right, or maybe the first time he didn't go, and they're like, really? You're not going? This is weird. Yeah. You're so used to Pike. There's a few yeah. options. Yeah. Um, but it's not, a, I mean, it's not an episode that's very heavy on plot, right? It's very basic, but that's okay. Um, you know, they didn't really, you know, it wasn't a very moving episode in that sense. It was just, a, it was very, ba- it was very basic on plot in that, in that sense, I thought. Well, I think it was basic on plot, but it had tons of character mm. moment developments. Obviously, it's not exactly. moving. Yeah. Well, one of the plot elements was that a main character died. <laughs> you yes. didn't find that moving? Well, I'm just talking about the setup of it, right? Like, it, it sort of ends up being that mm. at the end of it. But, um... But pretty much all of the Enterprise regulars go with them down on this planet to go aboard this vessel to try to salvage it. And yeah, we're kind of like now put into a into a horror movie at this point. And Hemmer, of course, my favorite, is is heavily featured in this episode again. And I was very happy to see him come along. Of course, it ends up being tragic at the end. But uh, which I um, did not see coming. So, but we'll talk about that when we get there. Oh, okay. Yeah. But you know, aside from it being sort of like very alien-like, it does make me wonder about the Gorn themselves. Um, I'd also, you know, it may have felt alien-like, but I also kind of got Jurassic Park vibes. I felt like. The Gorn, like, especially because we've never seen, like, young Gorn like this. Yeah, so this is a big question. Like, what the hell is up with the Gorn? Yeah, right. Because these don't look like things that are going to evolve to wear clothes. And, you know, fly around. Well, you know what it was? When I when I saw the trailer for this, right, and they showed that, um, the actual sort of animatronic Gorn, the young Gorn. Which I gotta say, I like that they're actually still, they're using puppetry. That's good, true. good work there. Yeah, those CG Gorn on um, Enterprise didn't look so great. Well, CG was also in a much earlier state back then. Um, but nevertheless. Um, I actually thought it was a Zindi insectoid for a moment. Oh, it would have been fun. Yeah, which that would have been a nice touch. But yeah, some Yeah, like one lone Zindi that was on its way to Earth got frozen. Right. It's... um. <laughs> It's interesting, though, because when I was... I just want to see if I, I may have retweeted this, I believe. Um, yeah, so with the with the uh, the Gorn there, some the observation you made. Somebody on Twitter said, and I retweeted this. Retweeted this. It says episode nine has given more weight to my theory that the Gorn captain that Kirk faced in Arena was a really old Gorn near retirement and suffering from arthritis. <laughs> and, I, and I respond, I'm like, I just think he was retired and he was bored. In all honesty, or he was like yeah. the only Gorn that wore clothes. Right. Yeah, it's it's true. Upright. Well, because you're right. Like they're, they're they're portraying the Gorn. It's cool. Like they're scary, but they're not. Don't forget that in Arena, the Gorn spoke. There was yeah. an intelligence there, right? It seems like rabid, you know, lizards. Yeah, yeah. It seems like if Velociraptors had the intelligence to control a starship, right? Um, but. I see nothing on these ones that they would control a starship. All these ones are doing is, you know, chewing yeah. through walls and eating people. Yeah. So. Reaching. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I hope that, you know, if they're going to 
first of all, I'm glad that they seem to want to make these aliens a main antagonist on the show. I think that's great. But I want to see the Gorn. I'm not saying I want to see somebody in a rubber suit. I mean, although I wouldn't say no to that. I think, <laughs> I that, I think, I think that'd be great. But um, I just, I want to see them kind of mimicking, sort of hint at the Gorn that we see on the original series at some point. Yeah, at least, you know, I'm, like we say, we don't get too hung up on things like, why do the Klingons have look different from this thing to that thing? But this is vast. This is like an intelligent uh, species to a, just a, a non-intelligent species, which is a pretty big shift. Well, I think it also goes back to the things, it's in similar vein to what I, to what I had said about, you know, Cybok and maybe a couple of other things where it's that, again, it's not the continuity per se, but it's like, don't go so far down this road that by the time I get to Arena, it's like, you know, how come? Yeah. Why? Mm. Well, they've already done a little bit of each because we've seen that they fly ships. Right. Not these exact ones, but some of them, like you said. So right. it is very convoluted at this point. But I also, you know, I realized that in this episode, the Gorn were a threat, right? I, I get that. Okay. What? But no, because I have a point to make. So, because it reminded me of, in Arena specifically, I mean, it's Kirk battling the Gorn throughout the entire episode. And finally, when Kirk gets the upper hand and takes down the Gorn and is about to deliver the final blow, he decides not to. Not just because of the aliens who are, like, setting up this whole fight for their own amusement. Kirk also realizes, because in the beginning of the episode of Arena, the Gorn are attacking a Federation outpost. And, and so the Enterprise starts pursuing them, and then that's how they get put into this battle one-on-one, -on -one, Kirk and the Gorn Captain from this um, higher intelligence. Kirk realizes, in not wanting to just kill them, he says, you know, maybe, maybe you thought we were a threat to you. Maybe you thought we were sort of encroaching on your territory. Maybe you were just defending yourselves. Like, maybe you weren't being aggressive. <laughs> maybe you were just... Def and defending yourself, maybe you, maybe you thought you were defending yourselves or something like that. And while these questions are never directly answered, seems like the answer would be no, given what we've now learned. Well, it seems like Kirk would be dead wrong. Well, maybe, but what I'm saying is, I think I would have liked to have seen a little bit of that thought process, did, did, like a, have a thought like that occur to Pike maybe at some point, right? Maybe, yeah. but granted, but it, yeah, these. Gorn that we've seen, I feel like if you stopped and did that, they would just bite your face off. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Wait, but is it possible that we have actually... Well, yeah. I mean, we don't know the full kind of context just yet. I mean, the Gorn, as far as we're con concerned, have taken over this crashed alien, this crashed Federation starship. But... Right. Um, and we yeah. also heard about um, Lana's experiences with them. So Right. Yeah. But More likely, they were just looking for meat sacks to grow their babies in. Which, again, reminds me of the Zindi insectoids. Mm. Oh, I don't... I'll say a few things about um, the direction first, just because there's no good place to slide that in naturally. But um, right from the opening of this episode, where we had that shot of the farewell dinner, the close-up panning across the food with the hands coming in, Yep. Um, it was just really well-chosen shots throughout mm -hmm. the episode. And I do think that the direction generally on the show has been very, very good, but I think this probably is my favorite. Yep. Um, especially, so there's, there's that one. There's a shot where you see 
the nacelle of the disabled ship <clears throat> in the foreground, and then you see uh, Kirk and other people that have just discovered all the dead bodies in the right. way in the background. Kirk. That was another great shot. What? Kirk. Yeah. Uh, yeah. George. Okay. I thought you might have been confusing Kirk with Pike for a second. No, no, no. It was yeah, George. Yeah. It was George. Yeah. It was <laughs> Um, George Sam. Right, because, you know, we've always talked about how some past directors, like, do make very odd choices. For no reason. With the camera, for almost no reason. Yes, and then some other ones, I mean, I'm talking specifically about um, Frakes, of course. Yes, yes. Um, um, he hasn't directed any this season. No, he should not to touch the show with well, a 10-foot pole. He's directing some next season, so just brace yourself. Be uh, ready. Uh, because <laughs> here's another thing, right? so other things is they use the director's using Dutch angles, but you're only using Dutch angles when it makes sense. So when right. it's dark and they're sort of, you know, you don't know what's going on, the camera's a little tilted. Yeah. Because you're kind of, they're very disoriented. So it's, you know, right. doing the right things as far as yeah. uh, conveying something about what's happening on screen well, through the camera. It's interesting. It, it sort of puts me in mind of um, playing some of the classic Resident Evil games. So. When I play, so those games for anybody who's familiar, I mean, specifically like the original one, two, three, not four, um, they would give you sort of fixed camera angles. You know, it's a horror game, of course, but the camera angles were always fixed. The it wasn't a chase cam, right? And they would always choose camera angles that sort of communicated the 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 most anxiety in that moment, right? Mm. In other words, you were not able to, if you walk into a room and you hear a noise, you hear like a you know, a weird, like, creature or something like that. You could not pan the camera around to see what it was, right? You were stuck with the angle that you had, and you had to kind of... It, so it kind of made you afraid to kind of walk into that next room hmm. to see whatever it was that was in there. And it's much more cinematic. It's much more cinematic. And so that's a similar vibe I get on the show. I mean, they... You know, because especially when they make those... Um, you know, very often throughout this episode, you you're switched from the Gorn's point of view and what the Gorn sees. And it's a very disorienting, very jarring, very kind of... Oh, very, very predator. Very predator. Yes, very predator-like. Predator. Yeah, so... But... And that's and that's just another thing about this episode is that they, they, they're taking so many things, they're borrowing so many different types of things from different types of horror films and just... But it's really working here. It's not just like, oh, let's copy Predator and do that. That'll be cool. Like, it's actually working in the episode, I thought. So, yeah, it's a neat way, too, to see <clears throat> that it's another way that almost though that reinforces the mindlessness of the Gorn because they just kind of see heat signatures and go straight for them and try to kill them. Right. Exactly. I have to, I mean, I don't think you went too far into the director's filmography, but I do wonder if they have any much experience with directing horror. Um, yeah, they do. Let's see. Okay, so Fisher. Yeah, so <laughs> um, a lot of them seem like Rampage, the Hillside <laughs> Strangler Murders, Night Stalker, which looks like a horror, some kind of a cop movie, the show Chuck, mm. Cold Case. Oh, Donnie Darko sequel. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so they got a few meeting evil. Yeah, so they got a few horror things in there. Yep. <clears throat> We've also, and just in parallel, <clears throat> I forgot to mention this in the beginning. The show, because you mentioned the dinner at the beginning, right? 
So the so some of the crew is being set up to potentially leave, and it seems like in the beginning we could be losing. It seems like we could be losing Uhura because her assignment on the she said her assignment on the Enterprise is complete. She's kind of done all the rotation, and now she's sort of off to the next thing, which I actually thought was going to be the case. I thought she was going because we know that she, you know, there's nothing that says she could never come back to the Enterprise, right? She's still a cadet. Right. Mm -hmm. She still has to, you know, make the rank of ensign. Right. So I thought to myself, you know, even if she does leave, we know she's going to be back at some point. So. But it was her and it was two other officers, two other cadets. Oh, no, not two other cadets, but two other officers who received promotion. So there was very much of a kind of getting ready, setting the stage for moving on to the next, you know, phase here. And, um, I mean, did you have any, did you think that Uhura was going to leave? Did you even, was that even a question for you? No. No? I wondered about it. I, I did wonder about it. I mean, because I wondered if they were going to like, you know, I thought to myself, are they going to potentially abstain from putting so many legacy characters in at once? Like, could we maybe Clearly lose not. her for a little while and then do we bring somebody? Yeah, I said we're losing the non-legacy characters probably to make room for the legacy characters. Yeah, yeah, right. Say it. Right. But I hope that's not the case. I mean, really, if Lana's Lan is gone, that, that'd be a real shame. Well, she's not. At least I she those leaked set photos of her. You see the leaked set photos okay. of her with Kirk. So I think it's going to be a case of like Starfleet uniform on. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So okay. I have a suspicion that. If the if next week is not like a cliffhanger episode between seasons, she may go away and then she'll some time will pass between seasons and then she'll mm -hmm. kind of like what they do with Picard, right? Some time will pass, then we'll be back and then she'll yeah. Or even better would be that she we follow her. She gets one episode of finding that girl's family and we find her. Yeah. She encounters Kirk that way and right. he's never on the Enterprise. That would be even better. <laughs> yeah. Um. I'm glad that you brought up Uhura because I do feel that. I mean, we usually don't go chronologically, so I think this is all right. Sorry. But really, Uhura and Hemmer's stories are intertwined very deeply in this, especially. I mean, obviously, we've seen their relationship grow. A lot of their scenes in the last four or five episodes have been only together or mostly together. Yeah. And we start off when um, Hemmer seems to get Uhura and kind of psychoanalyzes her and says it's better to leave than be left behind. And he tells her that relationships hurt, but the love that they yield is worth it, basically. Which is right. a nice sentiment. And he's kind of, she's, he's kind of um, trying to help her figure things out. Well, because you know what, the, and, and this is where there was some really good payoff, I thought. Because if you remember in earlier episode, in an earlier episode, I forget the context of what they were talking about, but there was something Hammer said that I remembered that really sort of stood out. It says that he's here to fix what is broken. And he means, and, and now that we have this moment between the two of them and the way he sort of like helped her along, I'm not saying Uhura is a broken person, but you have to remember that the show establishes that her parents died mm -hmm. um, and she kind of came to Starfleet, you know, as a way to get away from all of that. So while she, again, I don't really know if I would call her a broken person, she definitely sort of potentially lacked some direction. Yeah, and, and I she think was that she, makes that, she makes that clear in her little eulogy for hammer right. when she says you know he how he helped her and he was here to fix what was broken i yeah. think she even implies it about about herself and you know here's the thing 
I think what the show has managed to do, and similar to even the Mabenga plot with his daughter, right? It's just little moments like that. They're not, you know, they're not, entire episodes have not been devoted to this, to the subplot, right? We've just gotten small vignettes of it across, along the way. But it was enough for me to really feel like there was payoff there. It really, it worked for me when, when all was said and done, when it all sort of came to this conclusion in this episode. It wasn't like, oh, there wasn't enough of it, or like, what do you mean? Like, it all, there was enough there for me to, for it to actually work, I thought. I agree. And yeah. all, well, most, or all of those conversations happened between Uhura and Hammer when they were, you know, doing something that was important to the plot. They were fixing something. Or, right. You know, well, it's so an, it's an it all worked really well and it never took away. It wasn't as if the whole plot stopped so that they could have a deep conversation. <sighs> I know a show that does that. Um, but it's, or a wannabe deep conversation. But we've seen Uhura for so many years, right? She's been a legacy character for, for so many years. And again, we don't, we, before the show, we didn't know so much about her past. But it just sort of, the show kind of raises interesting questions like, like, was there an officer in Uhura? Was there somebody who Uhura served with who was very sort of influential in helping her become who she became, right? Which, and you don't think about those things because you're just so used mm. to seeing Uhura on the original series. She's in that position. Yeah, she's great she's at what she there. does. Oh, she's been there, there, right? But really, when once she gets aboard, how does she figure all these things out? And I really like that they went down this road with her. I thought it was, I thought it was, very, very fascinating. I thought it worked because I was kind of not expecting them to do that. I was sort of maybe thinking someone something more in vain of the Abrams Trek film where, like, she comes aboard the Enterprise similarly as a cadet, but she's just remains there, but there's not... And she just kind of, like, grows into that position. Right? Mm -hmm. She's not struggling. She's not, oh, I don't know. There's none... Because you can't... You don't have time to do that in a film. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was a very nice mix, particularly since most people in Starfleet that we see in across all series, really, except Discovery, right? Um, they kind of know that that's what they want to do, and and you don't you never really get into the motives. And I guess Kirk in the um, right Abrams films, um, you never really get into the motives or the inspiration. It's just kind of more right. They're doing their jobs, and we're along for the ride, right? I, I my point is with you know the way this all resolves is that. And I can say this about a lot of other things on the show this season. Nothing has overstayed its welcome. Everything, we've gotten like just enough of everything. Just enough to where it all sort of pays off in the end. Yes, yes. It's interesting that we actually, I mean, we may discussed this already, but we really don't see a lot of Pike. Right. Even, it's, it's, even Pike hasn't overstayed his welcome. He's been pretty, um, right. I don't think he gets any more time than anyone else. He doesn't, like... It's very much the sh even though he's the lead character, right? Mm -hmm. Just sort of by you know the uh, billing on the screen, it feels very much like an ensemble show. It's very ensemble the show. Completely. Um, and that to me is what makes it work just as a Star Trek show. You know, Roddenberry had always said about Next Generation specifically is that it's a show about people. And that's really what I think Strange New Worlds boils down to. It is a show about people. And I've been invested since the beginning. 
And as I said before, I mean, they, they've, they've kind of crossed this threshold for me where I want to see them do things. An episode can be very, th can be very thin on plot or have a ridiculous plot, kind of like last week when you said it's really testing that theory of yours. But they've managed to just really make all these characters work, and it's like I don't care what situation they're in. I just want to. I just want to see them. I just want to be there and see what they do. Agreed. Agreed. Um, can we pause one moment? Okay. Be right back. So, but with the Hemis stuff, I mean, it left me. I was devastated by what happened at the end, and um, I. First, I have to confess that I had, you know, when I watch these episodes, because I'm working during the day, so I don't get to see them immediately. Sometimes, sometimes, um, I'll mosey on over to the Trek BBS just to go to, to sort of get a sense of what people are saying about it. I don't really, but I don't really dig too deep into it. I just want to see mm -hmm. the ratings. Yeah. And curiosity. Yeah, I, like curiosity, I want to get everybody's vibe, hot take. And mm -hmm. um, I saw something that I shouldn't have. Um, well, I didn't see it directly, but I saw that something happened to Hemmer in this episode. It didn't really say what it was, but oh, everybody before you watch before it. I watched it, I was like, I was like, oh god, what is it? Now, but I but the thing was in my mind, it didn't say like I can't believe he died. Like there was nothing like that, but it was suggestive that something had happened to him, and I was like, and I it did, but it didn't even occur to me that he would be that he would die because I thought no, they would never do that. Mm, I got completely spoiled on it. Yeah, you did. <laughs> You told me, yeah. So, and here's the thing. So he, do, he dies, obviously. Yes, but in great Trek tradition, he dies by sacrificing himself for the greater good of the crew. Right. Needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Yeah. Um, but it kind of this kind of plays into the Gorn stuff a little bit more because we find out that the Gorn spit venom, and when they spit it, they're kind of laying eggs. So he basically had hatchlings... On him, which is kind of yeah. which is kind of gross. Um, yeah. But I thought to myself, no, but Hemma, just go outside. They don't like the cold. You'll right. You'll you'll you know. And I'm just sort of like because they established that strongly in this episode, like they don't like the cold. So yeah, but, but the problem is, yeah, they're gonna bust out of his body and kill him when they bust out. Well, I had hoped that they maybe would be so premature they would die before then. You know, I I don't know. But I was just Sorry. like. I was trying to use like what was set up in the episode to be like, no, 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 don't do that. You can, you can. And I found myself reacting the same way the crew did. No, but we can figure this out. Or no, we can. And I'm yeah. like doing, and I'm just, and so. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. And so, you know, cause very often in the show, I find myself in the same place the crew is. I'm, I'm sort of on the same level of knowledge of something going on as the crew is. So we're always, I'm always on the same page as the crew is in almost yes. every instance. I never feel like the crew knows more than I do. Mm -hmm. um, it's great. So when this happened, and 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 I was mad at first when he died because at first I said to myself, I, I don't. I I actually thought they pulled a discovery on me because when Leon says they when they spit the venom they lay eggs or something like to that effect. At first I thought to myself because I I actually rewatched this scene like three times. At first I thought. That was something she was withholding, and then just revealed it. And I'm like, well, why? I'm like, why would you do that? Like, you know, I. Oh, right. But then when I watched it a few more times, I thought, no, she's kind of, she's thinking about it, and she figured it out. There was something in the delivery that made it seem to me like she was, she withheld it for dramatic purposes, for like, you know, oh, I, 
Yeah, and so I got ang- and so I got mad. I'm like, bad writing, sloppy writing. How dare they? Yeah, yeah. Well, one thing I will say it's sloppy writing, but I, I found it, and I think it had to do with which character saw what, but I didn't take enough notes to figure it out. But I was sort of left thinking, how could they not have realized this when they saw the other guy with those wounds on him that looked exactly right. like Hammer, and right. then they burst out of him? Wouldn't right. one of the doctors have put two and two together? Yeah. But then I realized maybe it was Chapel who saw that and no one else. So it was. It was. It was insane. And maybe she didn't really see Hammer when he was so. It wasn't like the right person didn't see Hammer to figure it out. Because don't forget, you know, we kind of glossed over this, but they there was a there was a there was there was a girl survivor on that ship that they found a young a young girl, and right. she was in sick bay, and she and they sort of she witnessed this with Chapel having this um and she knew that was gonna happen right when one of this people the person this happens to by the way is one of the people who got promoted at the beginning of the episode actually both of them got killed off they did both get killed off um which sucked they got red shirts got dragged away were they red shirts one was gold did the other was the other guy Richard no okay um so that sucked but okay um but I I was afraid I I I was upset and I was like, I was like, what the? Fu-? And, and I realized I was getting upset. I was trying to rationalize it. And really, what it came down to is, I'm just upset that Hammer died, right? Because I was sort of like, I was, try- I was like looking to blame somebody for it, like ah. on the back end, you know. And yeah. and I'm like, why did they do this? This is not necessary. And you know, and I and look, I still think, in some ways, I feel less strongly about it, but I still feel like it wasn't entirely necessary, because yeah. I really liked him, and I thought. <laughs> I kind of thought it was a waste. Like I thought, I thought we could have done a little bit more with him. I did think my reaction was very funny when you told me. You said, um, "I don't know, but was it necessary?" And I said, "Yeah, but is anything that happens on a TV show necessary?" <laughs> yes, yes, okay. it is. Okay. There are. Um, I guess legally obligated. I was no, no. What I was afraid of was it was just being done because they wanted to do something dramatic. They needed like a dramatic moment or you know a way to surprise the audience and it just kind of felt like at first i was like i don't know why they had to this doesn't make sense but again i realized the reason i'm saying all of this is because i like the character a lot that's why i'm saying all of this i i i don't i'd have to go back and listen i don't know if i was saying stuff like this about arium i think it was more about arium was just set up to die yeah and that was disappointing because actually when we got to know the character in that episode we're like oh this is a cool character and then she died right Right, which is not a, an effective way of doing that. I mean, they may have thought, "Oh, look at that, we're tricking the audience," but don't you know, don't don't fucking or, do that. Yeah, or we're gonna kill this character. Wait, the audience doesn't know anything about her. Oh, we'll tell them about her, then we'll kill her. I think That'll more seem more like what happened. But yeah, but I think but when you look at Hemmer, right, and you look at his, he doesn't really have an arc, right? He gave an arc to Hora. And when you when you when you think about all of those moments, as we were talking about earlier, like the introduction, the two of them, the scenes they have together, I'm here to fix what is broken, and then when it how it concluded, it kind of did come full circle. Even though it wasn't about him, he was sort of imprinting that onto Uhura and, and sort of giving her the arc of the her uh, giving her character an arc for the season. It felt complete. It felt like full circle. In a lot of ways, like it didn't yeah. die with him with leaving that unresolved, right? And it 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 made an impact on a character who will now right. never be the same. 
because of it. So it, it, by having it have that kind of impact, I think that's important too. Because deaths, right. if they don't do anything like that, that's right. going to carry on in the show. Then yeah, there's just a kind so, of spectacle. So the more I think about it, the more I discuss it, the more like it's okay. I'm just now I'm just like uh, you know I'm suffering hammer withdrawals because he was so great. But also, I'm afraid by what getting rid of him could mean. Remember, remember, Hemmer's the Hemmer's the chief engineer. So I'm just yeah. gonna plant that seed there. Right. Well, that's nothing that we don't know anything about that. That's people speculating. And right. What, yeah, right. Yeah. True. But then we get his. Um, we talked a little bit about it at the funeral. Um, which was cool, and we got a nice wrap up on that. Also, the other ones didn't get quite the. Uh, Send off, which is, I don't give a crap. We didn't know them. Well, let me say, sorry, let me just say one more thing about that, the funeral, anyway. When you think about Arium, or even maybe go back a little bit further, like, say, Tashi Yar, right? Those deaths felt very untimely. And the reason why I think they also felt untimely is that you see the crew, I'd say more specifically Arium, you see them, like, how devastated they are by Arium dying. And it goes back to what you always say about they have this close relationship, but we don't see it. We have not seen it, right? You have to remember, we met Hemmer the same time the crew of the Enterprise did. So they know him just as much as we do. Right. So that's why I also thought his memorial service was effective, because they we knew him just as much as they did. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And we got to see that relationship build with them. And again, he had a personality. So he did. Well, he did. The, one thing that's interesting in watching it on the second time through, I thought there were a couple of moments that foreshadowed uh, his death. Okay, which is interesting. Fun. One was in the in the previously on because they ended the previously on segment with the coffins from the last funeral. Mm. But within the show, uh, Uhura says in their first scene together, "I'll miss you, Hemmer." Of course, she's talking about she's going to miss him because she's leaving. Yes, but. The right. underlying on the second view is that. And then another one says um, when they're going um, into that final part of the mission where they're going into that, um, uh, I guess, like cargo bay or whatever. Uh, Hammer says, I will not kill, but I will do what I must to protect the crew. Mm-hmm. That was another one that was a little bit of a foreshadowing. So that's yeah. always nice to see. Yeah. But one thing I think is probably the most interesting, and this will lead us on to our next topic, <clears throat> is that they're witnessing this is someone that later is going to also make a difficult decision to sacrifice himself yep. and be watched on by the crew and have to explain that what he's doing is right and that he has to do it for the crew and it's the most logical thing. And he even says it when it's done. He says a lot of logical decision. I believe this is the Project Con, right? Yes. So I thought that was really cool to see... Spock yeah. watching this. I saw that. Yeah, I noticed that because it felt like they were kind of foreshadowing that happening, you know, 30 mm-hmm. some thirty some odd years down the line. And I'm sure someone will say, well, now it takes away from that moment because he was just imitating Hemmer. No, I mean, but you also have to think, and this could be a stretch, but, you know, think of that scene from The Wrath of Khan when just before Spock goes down to engineering, he swivels his chair out of his console and... And he's looking past the camera for a minute. You can see that he's thinking. Mm. And he gets up and then he gets up. He, he thinks about it for a few seconds. Then he gets up and goes. Yeah. You, know, you could almost say he re- he's remembering Hemmer, maybe. 
yeah. or something, yeah. you know, or he's, or, yeah. or just, you know, it's an inspirational thing that, of course, it's going to stick with someone when you watch someone sacrifice yeah. themselves for the crew. I'm going to put in, I'm going to make that fan edit where, like, he turns, looks, he looks back to the camera, and then I'm going to, like, do the sepia tone, like, flashback to Hammer dying, and then that's what makes him get up and go. I like that. I like that. Yeah. That's great. But, like, I like that you could, I like that I could just think that maybe that's what it is. It doesn't have to yeah. be, but it's fun to Those think are... that, like, yeah. Always a lot of fun. It's like my favorite one from anything is when um, the Emperor is Force Lightning Luke, and you see Vader kind of looks at the Emperor and looks at his son. And he kind of pauses for a minute, and I imagine that he's thinking of Padme. Yes. Yeah. 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 And uh, like, what would Padme say if she saw this right now? And then right, foists him down the tube. Yeah. So I think it's yeah, it's fun to think about stuff like that. It's just it's just headcanon stuff, but yeah. 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 It's very fun. So we have some interesting things with Spock in this episode. Uh, we have a, a bunch around Spock. One, I'm curious to see your take. What do you think about George Sam Kirk getting all um, bones on Spock? He was annoying me in this episode. Right? When he's yelling at Spock, like you, what do you call him? A pointy-eared computer? Yeah, that was a very bones-like thing to say. He was. But he, what we saw was that Sam, George, Sam Kirk cannot keep his cool under a pressure situation. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there was definitely some, you know, yeah, I, I definitely Doctor McCoy vibes in that moment. Yeah, um, but it was even more extreme, and he really was losing it. And actually, another point I have in this is, I think this is one case where I do not like Pike's captaining because he didn't step in. No, all he did was said, uh, hey, now that that's over. Yeah. You know, well, like rem- here's someone completely questioning your number three, really. Yep. yep. And um, two. In this way, this very. Well, number three. No. Oh, number, yeah, number two. Yeah, number one. Right. Well, yeah, third, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, so then it just seemed like he should have done more than be like, knock it off, which is basically all he said. It reminds me that. So. I had moments of a DS9 episode when they it's a 15 episode when they when the when Cisco, Worf, Dax, O'Brien they crash land on a planet and they find a a downed Jem'Hadar ship and they're stuck inside this Jem'Hadar ship and there's Jem'Hadar outside trying to get in but they're not like you know they're basically trapped in there. And there's a moment when Worf and O'Brien kind of have it out and it gets ugly. And Cisco warns him a couple of times, like, "Hey, that's enough." And then he says, "He says," and then they actually get into like a physical altercation. And Cisco like screams at them. He's like, "You know," he says, "Like that's enough. You're Starfleet officers, so start acting like it." Yeah, yeah. I wanted to see something like that. Yeah, exactly. That's what I wanted to see. I thought to myself, like, yeah, or something like, you know what? His level head in the situation is gonna get. He's gonna help us survive while you're freaking out is going to get us killed right something like that right would have been there needed to be yeah like pike should not have you know i wish that they didn't he didn't let it go on i I feel and i I can't remember the exact line i think there's a there's a i feel like pike and saru have a like mention something like this on discovery like something happens that causes the two of them to have some kind of a conversation where like oh i remember what it was it was when uh Culber came back from the dead and he saw Tyler and he went over and flipped over the table and he beat him up in the in the mess hall and Pike and Saru didn't stop them. Mm. 
and the two of them are walking down the hallway and Pike hears about it and he says, you know, I really wish that you, you know, and they have a conversation about it and, you know, it doesn't end with like Pike reprimanding Saru, but like it ends with Pike sort of like saying, you know, I w you shouldn't let that, yeah, you know, you shouldn't be letting that occur, you know, so yeah, I mean, I, 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 semantics, I guess, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminds me of me being a teacher. Um, it reminds me of some teachers where, you know, you like hear a kid say something awful to another kid and just instead of like addressing what they said, they're just kind of like, all right, come on, guys, we got work to do or something, you know, not yeah. actually addressing what the main issue is, which is what is actually going on yeah. between the two people. So but, I find that to be a bummer. But yeah, I mean, it was weird to kind of see George Kirk pull a bones. Yeah, but even more aggressively, I think. Maybe it. Uh, maybe he ends up doing it so often that by the time McCoy comes, he's just numb to it. Right. Yeah. Or yeah, I wonder if they're. It seems like that's significant enough that it's got to be explored more. Yeah. Because it seemed like a major character moment. What we have really seen from George Sam Kirk is, um, you know, light chatter with other people, and he's sort of been friendly and yeah. That's it. So, I really like that uh, Kurt, Spock has to invoke his emotions. He says, um, like, rage in my mind, I let you into my heart. That was interesting. I think in a way, his... So, because the episode ends with him kind of losing the cap on his emotions. You know, he goes out, he punches... Um, a piece of the hull and it, you know, bulkhead and it just, it dents in and, you know, he's clearly lost a little bit of control, which I actually think in some ways, I, I saw just, I saw this as two, two things in the very early days of the original series. And this is just Nimoy, I think, figuring out how to play the character. But if you watch the first few episodes, like the cage, the corpomite maneuver, the enemy within Spock is very, his emotions are more on the surface. He raises his voice a few times. He's definitely a little bit more emotional. But again, I think that's more... I don't think that's a conscious choice. I think that, that was more Nimoy trying to figure out the balance, right? Mm -hmm. But Ethan Peck, I think he's actually on record as saying like a lot of his portrayal of Spock... They sort of worked that into the canon that Spock was a little younger and he had less control over his emotions. I think he's using that. He's factoring that into his... I think he has said he's factoring that into his performance. Makes you know, sense. Which makes sense. But I also think that if you want to talk about foreshadowing, it's foreshadowing in some ways what we see him attempting in the motion picture, which is the removal of all emotions, the culinar. Yes. Um, the purging of all emotions. And he does um, talk about that a lot, how he has not yet done that. He does, yes. So I think there's a little bit more of, even though he doesn't go through with it in the motion picture, I think there's more, there is some, there's more foreshadowing. Yes. There. It's, it's amazing how much foreshadowing the show has done when it doesn't really need to. Like, it seems to be planting a lot of seeds for what eventually pay off, pays off, but right. it, doesn't have to, it doesn't have to do that, right? It won't get to pay off, as this show won't ha get to do it. Right. So right. good on them yeah. for that. The one thing on this scene that I didn't really like is just... The moment when he was had to access his emotions didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And this is very rare for me to say this about this. I've never said that about this show all season. Where I just sort of thought, that, that was totally unnecessary and wasn't motivated and didn't make sense. Yeah. So Spock, they were, they were doing their move where they were trying to lure the Gorn 
into a pinch point so they could kill them or something. And one of the things, um, Spock was the next step on it, and he had to lure it out of the wall or right. the ventilation. So he started shooting at the hole, expecting it to come out, and it didn't. And then they said, you have to make it come out. You have to fight it. Now, it's inside the wall. How's he going to fight it? So he lets the rage in, and then all he does is he screams... And he runs at the hole in the wall, and then he kind of just starts shooting it more. Yeah, it was weird. It was a weird... It didn't I think, seem like the rage helped him in any way, other than yelling, which I assume he could have yelled if he really wanted to. I think it was just, honestly, and, you know, and I would say if that's something that doesn't work on the show, it would be that. Because I think it was just sort of like their way of setting up what eventually happens to him later in the episode. But I don't think it was done. I don't think that... I, think, I don't think the teeing it up like that was entirely yeah, no, effective. I yeah. I think it could have been better ways. You could have been stuck with one and actually let his rage in so he actually just like ripped one apart. Or what if like he, or what if like or if he was able to like mind meld with it or something and just lose control or I don't know. You know. Yeah, something else. Yeah. But yeah, so but, but that's I you know, for having many shows I say that five or six times an episode, but not that this one's first time all season. Right. We're nine episodes in it's all season. Which yeah. Is great. Yeah. But it does make me wonder though because we still have something unresolved um, from a few episodes back, which is Cybok, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I've since thought about the Cybok reveal, and, you know, I'm, I hope I want the show to come back to it soon. I, I'm, I'm wondering if it's going to be the hook at the end of ne next week. Is that going to be sort of like the, the to be, is it going to be a to be continued with Cybok moment, right? Oh, uh, yeah. I wonder about that. But in Star Trek V, there's a line where when when Kirk, when Spock and Cybok come face to face, at one point Cybok says to Spock, it would appear that you have been given a second chance to join me. Mm. What do you say? Now don't forget, Cybok has emotions. Are we with no, we don't know what's going on with Spock. This this could be nothing. This could just be totally nothing. But is this setting up a potential in other words, like does Spock lose control of his emotions and does Cybok try to take advantage of that and be like, you know, join me or something like that and that ends up what or is the first just, time, yeah. Or does he just assume since he's half Vulcan, half human, he would join him and try to get him to join him. Right. I, I just, I guess my point is like, does this, is this going to factor into this Cybok storyline at some point? I'm sure there will definitely maybe be a not. point that he'll try to get Spock to join him. Right. Because... Unlike the other shows, <laughs> um, they—I'm not questioning like these certain decisions. In other words, you brought in Cyborg. You did that for a reason. You brought in, I guess, George Kirk for a reason. You made conscious decisions to to bring in these characters for a certain thing reasons. And in many cases, we don't know why. Um, I'm just hoping that it's there. Those decisions are made. Other than just being like, hey, it would be cool if we had this, and it'd be cool if we had that. Right. I want the decisions to actually, like, you know, amount to something, I guess. And I say that with Spock's emotional thing right now. Is this just going to be something, oh, you know, we're just going to give him some extra development over the next couple of episodes? Or is this going to factor into a larger story that is yet to be flushed out? Is this, is this going to be a collision course with something to do with Cybok? I just, you know. Maybe not, but I'm just saying. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how these things are handled because there's definitely a f number of seeds planted now with George, Sam, Kirk, and the Cybok. So, 
But don't you feel... But I think what's great about it is that because... You know, you say a number of seeds planted, right? Because we're dealing with an episodic structure, it do, I don't feel like... You've got one episode left. Hurry up. Right? These are, you know, if, they don't, if we don't see any of these seeds touched on tomorrow or next week, I don't care. Because, you know what I think it is? I, I, I think what it... I think... I, I've said this about Picard and Discovery and them wanting to do the season-long story arcs, but they're not tied to a larger series arc, right? They're just different stories every season. Are we seeing... Is Strange New Worlds playing with the uh, a ser series arcs? Right? Are these going to be arcs that play across the series rather than a season? Right. Or are they the lighter arcs where it's like this was the Uhura arc in a way? Right. Yeah. I mean, if anyone has had an arc from, you know, began at one point and ended at another point, it would definitely be Uhura. Right. I just think that the, there's been very little this season that hasn't worked for me. Um, you know, I would say that the thing that you and I have probably complained about the most, and I say complaint in quotes, is just George Kirk being there. He's become sort of a joke with us. We're just like, oh, Harry, there he is again, you know, but... Yeah, like I said, they haven't done anything significant with him, and that's why I think it's right. fine. There's nothing wrong with him being there, but we're at the same time, we're like, and what you just said, but it's like, yeah, but that doesn't mean it has to be George Kirk. That could just be somebody else. Right, so yeah. it's just it's just this the, it's decisions like that where I'm just like, does it have to be like you know? Okay, yeah, and you if know? it's so irrelevant that I just think of them as any other character and don't think about it, then what was the point in the first place? What well, I'm and, happy to be able to think about it as any other character because that means it's not well, getting this, in the way of my enjoyment. And this goes back to what I was saying about Hammer, so or what I was alluding alluding to with Hammer. People are wondering now now that he is off the show are they setting the stage for a well-known chief engineer to come aboard the enterprise Who which, knows? which i'll just say this first of all it would not surprise me i don't think they'd be able to help themselves it would not surprise me but here's the thing if it work if they do it and it works fine if it works it works all right but at the same time if you do it can you i know it's scotty right but could he just appear the same number, like around the same, be used the same way that Hemrick was used? In other words, he's or better, not. Yeah, using the way they've used Sam, George, Sam, right. Kirk. You don't see but him all the time. Difficult. You see the head of engineering a lot more just because they're more vital to the right. running of the ship. And the thing is, it's Scotty. How can you do that with Montgomery Scott, right? So I, I guess. My thing of it is, Scott, I, all right. This might be a controversial take. Or is he going to even be replaced Scotty, at all? Yeah. yeah. The character of Scotty is just an accent. I hate to it's say it. It's a Scott accent, yeah. That's it, though. The whole character is an accent. Right. I feel like you could just put anybody down there and give them that accent. And it's like, but why? What is there so essential about S Scott that you need to have a need for it to be him? That's what I wouldn't understand. So hopefully this is all moot and they're not going to do that. And this is all just speculation. Well, I think it, but I think. I'll push back a little. I think it's the same. It's the Uhura. It's the same with Uhura. You may say that, but like Uhura, Scotty 
has not really been explored too much. And That's fair. Could they end up? Could they do the same thing? Right, because they gave Uhura here. I think a great arc. So could they do the same thing with right. Montgomery? Right. I, I, I just again, it would not surprise me. And if they do it, and it works, then this is all moot. Okay. Yeah. It just goes back to what I was saying early in the early days of the show, where I said, you know, really the show I want is the is the cage. It's the people we saw in the cage. Like in other words. I don't. I didn't want legacy characters at all. I didn't even. Th and the thing is, I didn't even think they were going to do that. It's not. I didn't even think that they would do that. No, me neither. Right? But I would have preferred that they had done that, and then gradually, as time went on, you begin bringing those characters in. Because if you're going to bring in Scotty, okay, fine. I think it's too early to do it. I think. You know, you should you should have started bringing these characters in as we got closer to original series time, right? So I think it would be too early. I don't want it to get to the point where, like, by the time we're in like season three, everybody's in place except for Pike and Number One, and it, you find out like, oh, they were serving with Pike for like six years, right? And Kirk you know? just came in, and I mean, it wouldn't be anything that says that that couldn't have happened, but right, that's not what I want, though. Feel right, that's not no. what I want, you know. So. I would love it if, like, and again, this is a long ways off, but um, when Kirk comes aboard, do like the Abrams Trek film. When Kirk comes aboard, McCoy comes with him, right? It's a different time. It's a parallel timeline, of course, but there's no reason why certain things couldn't still happen the same way. Yeah, yeah. So Yeah, I just hope that, you know, keep giving us good stories, but I hope that they kind of cool it with all the legacy stuff. It, you know, it just... it. it, it because it it goes to it it factors into what I was reading about like a lot of these, you know, films coming out these days. You know, specifically like Ghostbusters Afterlife. They always want to have legacy characters in something to get people on board, and while I think that Star Trek is a great way to do that, I just think the IP itself with it comes that i that possibility you don't have to make that a selling point of a show right yeah and, and let's be uh, who's the person who's the person out there it's gonna be like mm, it's good spock i'm not really interested <laughs> right. or i'm not really interested oh wait montgomery scott well, oh shit, now man. you got now you got me you know now you got me. Yeah, i want just, that Scottish guy the show because star trek as a franchise you know just by its own existence is yeah. built on that, you know, is the rich universe that it is, is just built on that idea that that could be a possibility. So I don't think that them needing to potentially bring in more legacy characters as a way to get more people on board is something that's entirely necessary. You know, I think it's sort of like Akiva Goldsman's, like the fanboy in him that he just needs to uh, know more about these characters because he loves the original series so much. I think it's yeah. his own fanboy. It's satisfying his own inner fanboy. But, I think um, the other tough thing, speaking of like the fanboy idea, is just, um, what's his name? It's yep. so good in the in the J.J. Abrams films. Yep. As him, so it's again you're using a a, a third recast of a character that you yeah. don't need to recast. Can Can I ask you before we uh you know end this conversation? Um, so because you you tell me a lot about Obi Wan. Oh yeah. Which sounds like oh, it's, interestingly, which one, sounds one, like one, it's one, doing I, the same thing. Yeah. But I think very well, yes. Yeah. And there's been a lot of articles written of saying 
uh, talking about Obi-Wan does it right and Picard does it wrong, using legacy characters. Um, but the planet that they went to in this um, episode looked a lot like the planet where Obi-Wan and Vader have their pen, possibly penultimate showdown. Yeah. That might have been a spoiler. I don't know. Sorry. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm not saying draw a comparison between Obi-Wan and Strange New Worlds, mm. but have you had any similar reservations on Obi-Wan when it, when it comes to like the use yeah. of a like you have yeah yeah one one big one i mean i think it's out now so i can say it but we, we meet a young um leia organa yeah she's about 10 years old and that at first i uh, kind of she was sort of it seemed like at first like she was taking the place of baby yoda right how young is uh, she 10 okay allegedly okay um and we we see Luke, but it's he's not a, in it much at all, so that's fine. But um, it's at first it kind of rubbed me the wrong way, and then it grew on me a little bit because it was yeah. just so jarring and unexpected. It just felt really unnecessary, and it's made one. Then you start questioning things like, well, why did she say this later? If this had happened, and that's what you know, I mean. Things, like, it's, you don't want to think about when you're watching something. It's stuff like that. Like you've heard me say it a million times on a show with that. I don't want. X to be featured so much that by the time we get to Y, then it just now seems odd because clearly they clearly they have so much history back history backstory, but yet story the story over here which takes place later it, it doesn't seem like it seems like they just met, but they have this whole long past that now this new show wants to kind of develop. So yeah. it doesn't. And I think yeah. we we also we never. I'm going to feel really dumb if I get this wrong, but I'm pretty sure Leia and Obi-Wan never meet in A New Hope. Because she's in prison when they land on the Death Star. Right. And then he's off shutting down the tractor beam and then fighting Vader, and then he dies while they're rescuing her. So I think that they're never in a scene together. So that, you never... Yeah. There's nothing that's too... See, and that's... Off. That's what they've. That's and that's what I was afraid of with Strange New Worlds. Like when they bring Cyborg on, I said, "Is he going to come aboard the Enterprise and then he's going to be on one deck and then Ahura is going to be in some other deck so they never cross paths?" It's like right. that. It's the fast and loose with canon thing that I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, well, they didn't meet. If they're on different decks, then they don't meet. It's like, okay, but so <laughs> you know. they have not done that yet. Yeah. And they haven't done that about anything. Right. So, so there's that. Yeah. Um, but they did almost do something like Discovery on Obi Wan, but it worked better. They almost did like it's illegal to talk about Discovery. Oh God, is it really? Not really. It's just you know because the Jedi are so hidden out. Oh yeah, told, yeah. Like, not to tell anyone about all the shit that went down because it could lead to the Empire finding Obi Wan. Mm. So that 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 kind of makes everything else fit. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well. Well, that actually raises my last point. That reminds me. So when we're talking about the death of Hammer and, you know, several other things along the, along the way of the show, I was saying this to the listeners. I was saying this to you before we began recording tonight. It said, it seems to me, you know, sorry for the comparison again, but I just can't help myself, um, that Strange New Worlds and Discovery do a lot of the same thing. They, they, you know, they, they tell a lot of like similar stories and yet 
Strange New Worlds, I think, does it. It's almost like Strange New Worlds is doing dis what Discovery should be doing. Should have been doing from the start. Everything we've seen, most of the things we've seen on Strange New Worlds, these emotional moments, these emotional payoffs, stuff like that, has been done on Discovery. But Strange New Worlds has managed, has fostered storylines, fostered characters, and therefore the payoff works. Discovery tries to shoehorn it in while you're doing these sort of like galaxy and peril stories, and it just doesn't, it's like they don't, they just don't mesh well together, right? Like we were saying with Hemmer, like, this is, is it an Arium thing? It's the same idea, only with Arium, it, it's, it's weird, in, in a weird way, because Strange New Worlds is episodic and Discovery is not, you would think that what they did with Arium on Discovery would have been the way they did it with Hemmer on Strange New Worlds, because it's episodic. They kind of, right? right? But, and yet, yeah. they did it the complete opposite, you know? Yeah. Hemmer was, yeah. It, yeah. It's really a bummer because the first thing I think that we got about Arian was that Arian was a character that looked really cool that was in the background. Right. And we kept talking about her and saying, oh, this character is so cool. I can't wait to find out about this character. So then when we finally find out about her and then they kill her, it, that was just a, that made it worse also. Because it was one of the, she was one of the coolest looking characters. Right. And I really, yeah, it really felt, it just felt so much like by the numbers, oh, yeah. we want people to care, so we better tell them a, her backstory, so right. we'll care, and then we'll right. kill her. Yeah, so uh, yeah. The, sh the two shows do a lot of similar types of stories, but they just, but Strange New Worlds manages to execute on them f almost flawlessly, and Discovery yeah. just can't. Well, I think that's actually a great transition to our next topic, because... Next week, I think we're getting um, Strange New Worlds doing the most Discovery-seeming story. Right. And in the, in the anyway. preview, Pike even says, this is end-of-the-world stuff. Or something like that. Which, again, I wonder if that's a little... I don't think that's actually, like, what's going to happen. I just think it's his way of communicating, like... Yeah. There's big space battles with lots of... Like, a lot of the hallmarks of a... If that if those scenes were in a trailer for Discovery, I wouldn't be surprised, you know. Because we've yeah, armadas of ships, lots of blasting, and because there's a, you know, you use this term I think regarding Strange New Worlds several times. There's enough good faith on the show already to where if they do something like this that we've seen a million times on the on other shows, I'm not like oh god, here we go again, right? Yes, and also because this is not when it happens on Discovery, we've been invested in some story all season and then the resolution is a big dumb space battle and that's right. why we feel even more let down right. where this would be one episode of one episode is you know a giant big dumb space battle you know as long as they do it well it's fine because we know it's not right. the culmination of all the story right because that's yeah because as you say that's what it always comes down to on discovery it's always the only way to resolve problems is with the space battle or some Maybe not a right, or, at least, maybe or not some like huge like yeah. season, like big explosions and stuff like that in happening the, in space. Yeah, the Red Angel season, most yeah, most egregiously. Well, I got to tell you though, based on those trailers, um, so there's a, a few things I want to point out. First of all, Outpost Four is under attack. Now, Outpost Four is the outpost in Balance of Terror, and Pike's actually communicating with the person with the officer on Outpost Four, very much like Kirk was. He's talking to somebody who's yeah, he's been. You know, he's been battered, he's, you know, uh, you know, clearly he's like, you know, he's injured, he's got, you know, <laughs> smoke burns all over his face, and it's like, it's like Kirk <laughs> talking to the guy at Outpost 4. 
And, um... We don't get to see who these people are that are attacking, but... The weapon that's being used looks very similar to the Romulan weapon in Balance of Fireball. Terror. Fireball. Yeah. Now... I have to watch Balance of Terror again just to kind of confirm every to reconfirm everything because it's it's the small lines of dialogue that I just have to confirm. Because first thing I'm thinking of is this the Romulans, right? And I don't want to say no, it can't be because you know I have to confirm that, right? But it does make me wonder. Let's say it is the Romulans, right? Okay. They attack Outpost 4 later on in Balance of Terror. You know, is... Are we... Is it possible that there's something up... There's some sort of strategic advantage or something about Outpost 4 that the Romulans want, and that's why they keep coming back to it? You know, mm. are they setting... Their territory? Could it be that simple? It's on the border of the Federation and Romulan neutral zone. Oh, okay. Well, that yeah. seems pretty... Like a good so, enough reason right there. Um... So I just, yeah, I wonder, I wonder about that stuff. Um, I don't, but here's the thing. I'm not, wa I'm not walking on eggshells here fearing that the show is going to just suddenly violate continuity. Mm-hmm. Um, I have enough good faith with the people who run the show that they're not going to do that. They Because they're clearly original series fans. And again, you know, my biggest concern is like the whole fast and loose with continuity, which again is not wrong. It's just, you know, can we avoid this? If can we just, you know, stray away from this if possible? But um, it seems like it's going to be some something similar to Balance of Terror. So I mean, I'm, and I don't care that it's a space battle. Like, okay, bring it, bring it on. All right, maybe we've only seen the Enterprise fire phasers like twice on the show this season. All right, so bring it on. Right. Yeah, and maybe it's, um. No, Cybok's in prison. Never mind. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing. I mean, is this is this something that's going to be brought up again to end the season on with in some you know dramatic way? But um, yeah, well, like you said, goodwill. I think we've had enough goodwill that agreed. I'm, I, I expect that it will be good and it won't you know frustrate me in any way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you, you said though that he's talking to someone who's haggard and has burn marks all over and whatnot, you know, you did remind me of something I forgot to mention from this episode, which is, could no one have given that little girl Ariana like a rag to wipe her face with? The whole episode, she's just covered in dirt all over yeah. her face. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, that also reminds me. I meant to bring that up. In Pike's log entry at the beginning of the episode, they mentioned they were going to Space Station K seven. Which is where they went in the trouble with Tribbles. So we've got two deep, outposts. Deep Space K7, right? No, I think it's just... Oh, uh, well, maybe. But I, I know it's called Station Space Station I don't K7, know. On Wikipedia it says, En route to Deep Space K7. Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, it's Wikipedia. So who knows? Yeah. So I thought that was kind of a nice thing to do, too. So I hope we get to see K7 at some point. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really... It sucks. This season went by really fast. But I'm very much looking forward to what they do at the end of uh, the, what they do next week. Yes. And knowing, yeah. knowing that we've got, a, you know, at least a few more years of a good Trek show. But also, uh, no word on what's following. Uh, we're not going to have another Trek show immediately butting up with this one. Not so, even uh, the Nickelodeon one, huh? 
Well, it's premiering on Nickelodeon, strangely enough. But it's it's just they're just gonna show the the last the first four episodes that went on the first like eight episodes oh, okay. that they streamed with. But it's actually gonna um, be on that station finally. Yeah. But this has been this will be the end of like forty ah. something straight weeks of New Trek. Oh so, my lord! Yeah. So I think. Um, but lower deck, we're, we're we're a few weeks away from lower deck, so I don't think I think it's gonna be um. It's going to be a drought, but I don't think it's going to be that bad. Because Lower Decks is going to come back at some point, um, I think, like, late July, as it, as it has on schedule every single year. So I think that's, that's the next one to look forward to. We just don't have the exact release date yet. So. Yeah. yeah you know what? It's terrible that i just had to have that i had this brief fear when i said at least we have a few more years you know of a good, at least a few years of a good trek show and i thought about picard and how i felt that way after season one of picard and then the the nosedive that in quality oh, that yeah, yeah. we felt it took well again so you know, hopefully I, they leave the team intact here Don't yeah i mean mess with things it could i mean anything could happen right it could turn but yeah. um it would be a real shame yeah agreed but I'm too focused on the moment right now. And yeah, I yeah, you know me. I'm the little bit the more slightly the more cynical one. Yes, you are. Uh, cool. Anything else? On. Anything else you want to uh, chat about before we conclude? Uh, let me take a quick view over my notes. Oh, a Beatles reference in this episode. Okay, go on. And I've. <clears throat> Oh, you want me to tell you? You don't want to guess? I don't remember what it was. Okay. So, um, uh, Ortega says that she would have called Hammer a blue meanie. A blue meanie being the characters from the animated film Yellow Submarine, the, the antagonists, oh. <laughs> or the blue meanies. Interesting. Okay. No, I didn't, uh, yeah, I didn't, I, that, w that would have been lost on me. No, there you go. Yeah. So it's good to know that the Beatles are still known in um, yeah. the future, which makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I I think it goes back to that Discovery episode. I remember um, Stamets made a reference of, like, I think he said, like, did he say his brother? Somebody plays George in a, I think he mentioned something about a Beatles cover band. Oh, really? Wow. I yeah, I remember, I, I remember that a while <laughs> back. Yeah. Well, that's I, good then. Yeah. So this clearly, and, you know, Kirk, and at some point they adopt Beatle boots as the official Starfleet footwear, so... Is that isn't so is, is that what you bought when you made the uh, costume that time? Uh no, the, the, the yeah, essentially the the boot style they were known as Beatles boots in the 60s, but it's okay. just a boot style that um, you know, popularized by the Beatles. Well, because I think this is this has been this came up on the show before, but yeah, when you and I went to the Halloween party ages ago, you were so excited. They weren't long. They didn't like go up to the knees. No, but the, everything else was exact. The you heel, were, the yes. zipper up the side. You were so you're like you're like, dude, look what I found. You were so excited. Yes, the footwear because that's the thing in in most when you're they were high heeled. Costume. Yeah, yes, they had the little heel, the heel, the thick heel, the point of the they, front, right? They had that shiny leather. They yep. had the point in the toe. They had the zipper up the side, no other laces or fasteners. Uh huh. Man, yeah. they're great. And that's the thing that's often neglected in costume is uh, the footwear. The footwear, which is hugely important. Right. It's like you should... and when you see people with a great costume and they're wearing New Balance or something, and it's like, ooh. That irritates me so much. Yes. Yeah. 
It's like they couldn't it's that even. extra detail step that when you go to that level, then, you know, it's appreciated. Yeah. Nah, nobody's looking at my feet. It's fine. Yeah, whatever. Or the worst is just like, oh, I'll just throw on like a Starfleet shirt over whatever I was wearing to work that day. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I looked at you went for New Balance, so I was going to say like, they use like, it's like Socko shoes or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's true. It's true. Like they don't, they don't, they don't go the full, uh, they don't, they don't go the full uh, effort, so. Yep. Actually, in this spare room, I have a lot of my shoes laid out. I'm seeing if the Beetle Boots are here, and I don't see them. Yeah, I was going to ask you. Do you, do you They're somewhere, though. I was going to ask you if you still had them. I do have them. Do you? Mm-hmm. Nice. They're fine, fine footwear. Have you and worn them And the fun them thing since? is that I got them because my dad knew where to get them because my dad just wears them because it's his style that he likes. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you. Were, that was like I think, as I recall, because this was a long time ago. It seemed like that was the that was the best part of the that was the part of the costume you were the most proud of because it's easy to find a Starfleet tunic and the. You well, know. I did. I did sew my own tunic. That was I was very proud of that. But I made a mistake. This is actually kind of a fun story. So I used. I didn't know anything about sewing except the basics. Yeah. And I definitely didn't know anything about fabric. So I'm looking all around for fabric. I tried to dye some fabric to get the color right. It yeah, didn't yeah. work. And then I found this fabric that was sort of a velour, and it was the exact right color. Mm. And I was so excited, so I just immediately bought it, and I made the thing. And what I didn't realize is that it was upholstery fabric, which upholstery fabric has absolutely zero stretch to it. It is completely, not rigid. I mean, you can move it, but you can't stretch it. So luckily it fit me perfectly. And or else, you know, if it was any tighter, I wouldn't have been able to breathe. I went to, I did a Halloween party. I don't think you were at this one, but I, um... I went as I had a, uh, I went, I wore the Kirk tunic and everything, but I wore a Michael Myers mask because everybody, for those who don't know, which I don't think are that many, Michael Myers, the killer from Halloween, the white mask that he wears is William, is a, is a, a Captain Kirk mask that was sold like in the late 70s. It was yeah, weird. Spray painted. Spray painted white. white and just modified, but that's, you know, that's what yeah. I wore. Yeah. And, it was and they real, liked it yeah. just because it looked like this weird, because it, and it makes sense to make a right. not very detailed latex mask of uh, William Shatner just wound up looking like a male face with not enough detail. It was just a weird mask anyway. Without that, like I've seen the yeah. mask, it's just a weird. Why would you? Yeah, because they had one. They had one for uh, Spock, which I guess makes sense. That makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. But I think they they might have had one for Bones too. But you know, you're talking about the tunic because I I had a, I had a similar thing. The the tunic I wore, uh-huh. I bought it because I don't know how to sew a fucking thing. It was like it didn't stretch. It was like I, 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 I was like, is this burlap? Like, what is this? And like, it was such a pain to get yeah. on and off because it, it, yeah, it did not stretch. It did not stretch at all. Yeah. And um, I gave that to somebody. Really? And they and they ruined it. <laughs> mine, unfortunately, I had um, mine stored in a closet and it leaked in there when I lived. Well, yeah. it doesn't matter. Listeners don't need to know where I live. But when yeah. I lived in another apartment, and um, a lot of them got kind of like really messed up, my costume. So it's a bummer. I went to a Trek convention, and I and I went with a few friends. And one of my friends, she didn't. We were, they were in line to get autographs, and she actually didn't have anything. I, I brought the tunic with me because I think the idea was like maybe I'll just wear it or something like that. But I ended up not wearing it, so I just had it with me in a in a in a sling over bag. And um, she didn't have anything to have signed. Mm-hmm. So, she at first kind of had the audacity to say, you know, to ask for my tunic. Yeah. Did you knew this person? I did. 
Okay. And I actually kind of felt bad, and I said, yeah. And, and I thought to myself, I, well, am I ever going to wear this again? Mm, I don't. So I said, yeah, here. I was very nice about it. I said, here you go. And then, she ended, nice. and then she ended up getting more stuff signed, right? Not the tunic. No, no, no. Got, got the tunic filled with signatures. Oh, nice. So um, later on, I saw that tunic rolled up in a corner of a room. And I think... Uh, her dogs were using it. For what? Laying on it. Everything. Oh. Yeah. So was, they had signatures on it? Well, did they know? I mean, how could they know? Why would they get it signed and then let their dogs play, right. use it as a bed? Right. I, you, you completely, completely disregarded after that. And I was pretty pissed off, actually. It was totally, the thing was completely ruined. And they probably spent so much money on those signatures. Strange. Very strange. Anyway. Yeah. But it was my tunic. Well, yeah, but it wasn't anymore. You gave it away. Well, I thought, well, right, but I thought, take care of it, right? I know, but once like, you give it away, a, you relinquish all. I know, I know. It's like I've I've given you stuff, and I'm like, how my how's my how's my uh. Yeah, you mean mine? Yeah. <laughs> well, it was mine for the longest time, so you can't help it, you know. I know. I yeah. Know. How is your new PC? <laughs> it is good. It is good. Yeah. I barely only use it for this, almost exclusively. But you're anchored down, and that's what you needed. Because we spent so much time of you hooking sh shit up in the beginning, and just this, that. And yeah. I'm like... It's true. Yeah. So, it's I, I'm you like, notice like, your, this foam thing here still smells like your cologne. <laughs> I haven't worn cologne in ages, so... Well, well uh, if you need some more, just come over here and rub, rub this on interesting. your yeah. body. That's why your rats bit me that day. Um all right, well, uh, cool. That's going to do it for us this week in discussing the pen ultimate episode of Strange New Worlds. I don't know the name of the finale next a week. Equality of Mercy. That's what it's called? Okay. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be back. Phrase. Another phrase, which is, you know, they're doing a lot of that. Before we go, can you provide context? Um, was it? Wait a minute. Is it? <sighs> Quality of Mercy is not strained. A poem. Oh, this is great. Okay. Let's check out this poem. The Quality of Mercy is not strained by William Shakespeare. Describes how mercy, uh, an attribute to God himself, can save a person's soul and elevate him to the degree of God. Ooh. Ooh. So maybe uh, Pike will be faced with the decision and decide to show mercy instead of destroy Interesting. his uh, enemy. Mercy is more powerful than the sway of the scepter or the gravity of the crown. It places a king not only in the hearts of other kings, but also in his people's hearts. By showing mercy, one can become like God as it is an attribute of him. In this way, Portia requests Shylock to have mercy on Antonio as it can only save the defaulter's life. Hmm. All right, so it's a monologue from The Merchant of Venice. Okay. Act 4, scene 1. So Shakespeare, going back to Shakespeare, classic. Yeah, I think track. we've had episodes that had, like, you know, Shakespeare quotes or paraphrased Shakespeare quotes. Yeah. So, um, and Shakespeare certainly was talked about in the original, with the original crew. Yeah. Um, I've never read The Merchant of Venice or seen it, so I can't offer much more than that. To thine own self, thine own self be true. There was an episode called mm -hmm. Thine Own Self, as I recall. Um, yeah. Picard, of course, loves Shakespeare. Picard quoted Shakespeare a lot. 
And of course, the original Klingon. Yes. Star Trek VI is all Shakespeare. I think the Undiscovered Country is from Shakespeare. The the uh, term Undiscovered Country, yeah. Yes, and it might be, I don't know, for some reason... <clears throat> might it be the name of a uh, Twilight Zone episode? Wouldn't surprise me. Yes, A Quality of Mercy is episode 80 of the Twilight Zone. Um... So they're sharing the same episode title. Yeah, let's see what this one's about. In August 1945, the last grimy pages of a dirty, torn book of war. The place is the Philippines Islands, the opening narration. The men are what's left of a platoon oh, so of is, American uh, is this, infantry. Uh, is this your Rod Serling? I don't have one to do. Whose dulled and tired eyes set deep in dulled and tired faces can now look toward a miracle. That moment when the nightmare appears to be coming to an end. But... Okay. They've got one more battle to fight. And in a moment, we'll observe that battle. August 1945, Philippine Islands. But in reality, it's high noon in the Twilight Zone. But in reality, it's high noon in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> yeah, take, take a puff of that cigarette. Cigar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's such a great show. I love that show so much. Really? Yeah. So fantastic. We should do a podcast about that show. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, <laughs> all right. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Peace out. Later. Later.